0: You are listening to Sermon Audio from Coggin Avenue Baptist Church. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out online at www.cogginchurch.org. Amen. You ready for Philippians? I know I am. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and pull it out. Maybe it's on your phone or your iPad or you brought your copy from home. Let's open to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be picking up here in verse 12, and it's going to carry us in today's message all the way through verse 19. Philippians 1, 12 through 19. As I I was thinking about the message this week, I was kind of just going through the week, and something pretty cool happened this week that hadn't happened since 2011. If you're a basketball fan, you know that the Dallas Mavericks, any Mavericks fans in here? I was starting to wonder. The Mavericks finally, right, finished out a playoff series for the first time since 2011 where they won the NBA Championship and Daniel and I we were in the office and he's a he's a big time Mavs fan. We were kind of just discussing that and remembering that 2011 season. Do you remember when they faced the Miami Heat and those finals that final series and what an overwhelming thing that was and how how big of a deal it was? Do you remember the Miami Heat that year? They had not only LeBron James. Arguably, well, not really arguably, he is the greatest player in basketball today. Some people, wrongly, I think, want to argue that he's the greatest of all time. Well, he was on the team, right? Chris Bosh, also a pretty good player, and then the guy who's clutch, Dwayne Wade. It was really the first super team. We thought, oh, they're definitely going to win. Well, us Mavericks fans weren't convinced of that, but here they were facing the Dallas Mavericks who had an aging seven-foot German. Dirk Navinsky. I mean, they had some more players, but it wasn't a super team. Game one wasn't much of a big deal for the Heat. Their athleticism and their skill just dominated Dirk and the rest of the Mavericks. You're thinking, okay, here we go. Game two, they had it kind of on lockdown as well. It was in the fourth quarter where Daniel remembered how, how torn up he was inside, and how depressed he was inside, and how anxious he was inside when Dwayne Wade, with only about seven minutes left in the the fourth quarter drained that corner three and he's like okay that's the nail in the coffin they went up by 15 he's thinking that's it it's going to be over they're going to win game two and they're going to ultimately sweep the series that's what pessimistic maz fan thought like me but then something amazing happened do you remember they went on a 22 to 5 run in the fourth quarter the mavericks pulled out game two and ultimately won the series and they were nba champions it was a, it was it's fantastic now Daniel was telling me he goes back and he watches game two. But, but he doesn't have those uh, upset feelings anymore. What feeling does he have? Joy. Yeah. He's, he's all kinds of full of joy watching game two now. But what's the difference when he watched it then and between when he watches it now? Because he knew that the victory, oh, get ready for this. He knew that the victory was secure. And then he said this, and I was like, I gotta share that with the church. Now, we're talking about basketball, but it applies, so give me a second. He says, joy is multiplied when victory is secure. Oh, church, that'll that'll preach, and it is going to preach this morning. That's the example of Paul and the whole book of Philippians. Yes, he was in prison. Yes, in this chapter, we learn that people didn't like him very much. Probably never happened to you. Even other believers were against him and trying to ruin his ministry, but Paul's joy was multiplied. Somebody needs to hear this today, church. Paul's joy was multiplied because his victory in Christ was secure. We see that through the whole letter, and it's gonna unfold for us today. Last week, we, we looked at some Marks of a faithful follower, some things that showed the joy that Paul had in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And last week, those marks, they they centered around a gospel passion, that they centered around the the desire to see the gospel move forward, and they also centered around things like intercessory prayer and selflessness. This week, we're going to continue that idea of looking at some more marks of a faithful follower, which I pray everybody here today, but they're going to center on this idea of Gospel progression, gospel advancement. See, Paul could choose joy, and that joy was multiplied because his victory was secure, and it allows these marks that we see in him to not only for us to look at, but for us to follow. Let's stand together. Philippians 1, verse 12. Remember, he's in prison. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that's just brothers and sisters in Christ, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trust in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Now, some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. You probably don't know any Christians that would think like that about you. Verse 18, what then? He says, who cares? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I Will, meaning I will continue to rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Christ Jesus. This is God's word. Please be seated. Oh, there's three fantastic marks of a faithful follower I want to continue to show you today. Number one, a faithful follower is marked by a passion for gospel progression, meaning gospel continuance. Gospel advancement. Number two, a faithful follower is marked by gospel confidence or confidence in the power of the gospel. And finally today, we'll look at how a faithful follower should be because of the gospel marked by hope and joy. Let's start with what I think is probably the the main idea of this text, this idea of gospel progression. I, I get this in verse 12. That's exactly what it says here. Paul's not focused on how bad it is to be imprisoned. He didn't look at it like it's negative. I'm sure it felt negative at times. But what is he doing here? He, he, he looks at it instead of a liability being in prison. He looks at it like, a, like an opportunity. That should be strange to you, because it's, it's pretty strange to me. See, for Paul, it wasn't about the situation, whether the situation turned out for his earthly good, or whether the, the situation turned out for his earthly trouble. He says, it doesn't matter. What matters is what happens with the gospel. That's awesome. Because it didn't matter good or bad, the gospel was always being planted into fertile ground. The fertile ground for the gospel advancement church, listen to me, is each and every single situation in your life. You tell me what else is that fertile of ground in your life. What about the current economy? Is it fertile ground for your financial portfolio to continue to grow? Yeah, probably not. But the gospel, it does just fine in this environment of economy the gospel can grow and should grow anywhere we are you see his passion for the gospel but that always leads to his obedience and sharing the gospel we saw it last week he talked about his passion for the gospel and today we get to see it lived out in prison in rome this is the same way that the church is born remember we talked about it last week in acts chapter 16 paul was put in prison he was beaten He's like, ah, this isn't so bad. I can get to praise Jesus still. And about midnight, the the jail cells were all flung open. He could have just ran away, but he didn't go anywhere. Why? Because he saw it as an opportunity, not a liability. And he shared the gospel in that moment with the jailer. It's no different imprisoned in Rome. Paul saw prison as a place that he was, listen to this, sent by God. Not a place where he was sent to by man. That paradigm shift was key for Paul. It was helpful for him, and I'm convinced it's gonna be helpful for you today. This is a key mark for a faithful follower, that you have a passion for gospel advancement, that you have a, a passion for the gospel to progress in each and every situation in life. See, everywhere was an opportunity for Paul, which meant this, everyone was a prospect to hear the gospel to Paul. This is why he could rejoice in prison, He knew that he was actually on mission and he wasn't being sidelined. If you were active in gospel ministry today, which honestly, I I kind of assume and hope that you are, and you were wrongly imprisoned and you see the rest of your gals and buddies, you see Rick doing ministry, you see Van doing ministry, and yet you're in prison, uh, what's the temptation there? They're out there sharing the gospel. I'm over here sidelined on the bench in prison. That's how I would think, maybe not you. Not true, Paul says, not true. Because wherever I am, the Holy Spirit is there in me and with me and that's where I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel. I love this mindset. Think about how this could have changed your perspective if it didn't already change your perspective as we walked through the pandemic in 2020. Instead of that being a liability, what if that was an opportunity for you to share even more in the context you were in? and the financial downturn that seems to be coming for our nation, we don't like to talk about it, but it seems to be on the horizon, how much can this perspective help you this year, right now? doesn't have to be a liability. doesn't have to be all bummed out for you. It can be an opportunity. What if instead of you had the, the instead of the I have to mindset, what if God were to give you a I get to mindset? What if this week you thought, instead of, here I go, I got to go to work again. To I get to go to work because that's the place I get to share my faith. What if it was instead of, oh, me, or why me, Lord, in life's tough situation that's waiting for you this week, it was, Lord, I get to represent you in, in front of new people, new family and friends as I go through this struggle in life. What if it was instead of I have to parent these undisciplined children, to, I get to parent these children and pass the gospel onto them. I get to go to school to share my faith in front of my friends, not, really, you got to wake me up to go to school again today? It's a paradigm shift that's available to you if you would just choose it, which I think should be available, and you should be using this paradigm shift in every part of your life seeing every situation in life as an opportunity to bring glory to God through the proclamation of the gospel i think it's a game changer church and you proclaim the gospel in both word and deed meaning you proclaim the gospel in your life action and you proclaim the gospel with the words that you speak now depending on your personality you're going to want into you're going to want to lean into one over the other if you're kind of shy and you don't like really talking in front of people you're going to want to say things like well I preach the gospel with my life and I use words if necessary. Anybody ever heard that? I'm not mad at that, but that's not exactly true. <laughs> the gospel does take words. But if you're, you, you know, you're more bold and you, you love talking all the time, you love sharing your faith. You may be like, I, I need to focus on sharing the gospel and my, my life doesn't really matter in how I live it. No, it's a both and, it's not an either or. It's both and everywhere you go in every situation that you're in. It's kind of pitiful to admit it, but I myself sometimes look at life like this. I I can fall into the I have to mindset instead of the I get to attitude. And therefore, I lose focus and I don't share when I should. Instead, I, I end up making excuses. Here's some of them that I thought of this week I'm too tired, I'm too busy, I'm too afraid. I don't know enough. I'm worried I will offend somebody. But again, they're just excuses. You don't have to be an evangelist to share the gospel. You just have to be willing. And your willingness comes from the right mindset. And the right mindset, the proper perspective is, I get to, not I have to, share the gospel. Paul had this mindset, and he shared it everywhere he went. Look at the results in verse 12. He says, even the Praetorian Guard, the elite soldiers of of the emperor heard about it. He says, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. In verse 13, he says, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well-known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. This particular group of people is not an ordinary group of, Soldiers or prison guards. They, they were like the special forces for the emperor. They, they were in charge of protecting him personally. They, they could be a pretty massive amount of men, by the way. Although they were elite, they, they numbered anywhere between 500 and 1,000 per what they called cohorts. And if you consider the fact that at most there were nine cohorts, that means there could be up to 9,000 of these Praetorian guards. All of them, Paul said, No, but I'm in the gospel for the cause of Christ. Now, you can do a whole study of the Praetorian Guard and you're, you're gonna love it. It's gonna be exciting. But the thing that gets me the most exciting, the most amazing thing to me is that they had such a level of influence by their position and their number. And this one guy, this, this one Jewish man who's following the Savior who died on a cross has influence over all of them. Paul didn't miss it. He saw it, he leveraged it, and he took advantage of it. How did this happen? Have you ever wondered that? How? How was Paul given such favor? Well, I think that's the right word, God's favor. But here's the other thing. He just shared the gospel with anybody he ran into and everywhere he went. He was always, as we like to say, running his mouth, except unlike me, sometimes that was productive. He was always looking for a pathway in the speaking that he was doing to lead people to the gospel. Speaking of Praetorian Guard, it's a it's a pretty cool timing issue that I get to bring up this morning. As you know, this month we're starting that missions giving emphasis called Missions One Eight, and that's supporting North American church planning. What's even blowing my mind is that we actually are directly supporting a couple named Jared and Jen Huntley who are North American missionaries doing church planning under a project called Get This. The Praetorian Project. Which means that as they're focusing on their church planning, that they're focusing on planting churches among some of America's most elite heroes. You're going to love this if you're a Marine. They're focused on bases that are close to the Marines. And so they've had a lot of success in this. They've planted churches next to Marine bases in California and North Carolina and Okinawa and Japan. And because they've been so successful... Jared and Jen Huntley, that that, that ministry of the Praetorian Project, has expanded their reach to other branches of service and even other cities where there's a large number of military. So they'll be planting a church this next year in San Antonio, Texas, under the Praetorian Project. I mean, how on time is that? And you who've gathered here today, you can show your passion for gospel progression by writing a check and supporting the Praetorian Project church plant this year in San Antonio, Texas. That's on-time application. That's one for one. God is so good. 20% of everything that we're gonna collect in this Missions 1-8 offering is gonna go directly to Jared and Jen Huntley working underneath the Praetorian Project. And just the timing of that with this text makes me go, God, God you're good. We didn't know that when we started planning this series, but God knew that as we're delivering this sermon today. Praise him for that. But I don't want you to just, I do want you to think about giving to missions 1A, but I don't want you to think I can show my passion for gospel progression just by giving. Yes, you can, and you should. But like I prayed earlier, you should also show your passion for gospel progression like Paul by sharing in the context that you're in, in your school, in your home, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, For Paul, the result was not only the Praetorian guard got to hear about Jesus, but then he says, so did everyone else. Who is everyone else? I don't know. Probably anybody that Paul could get to listen long enough to share the gospel with them. But it also continues, look at verse 14. He says, not only is the gospel advancing among everybody that I speak to, particularly the Praetorian guard, but he says, most of the brothers, meaning the brothers in Christ, have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly because of my imprisonment. I don't know about you, but that's pretty counterintuitive. Then instead of Paul feeling like he wasn't advancing the gospel in prison, he thinks, no, because I'm in prison, I'm able to share the gospel more and more. And it just reminded me, listen, Todd, if if Paul can share the gospel in the toughest of circumstances and have that right mindset, So can you. And what I mean by that, not so can I, but so can you. The question is, are you? Paul could have been distracted by prison, by pain, by suffering. But instead, he was encouraged. And his joy was multiplied because his victory in the gospel was secure. Therefore, his life was marked by a passion for gospel progression. Have you ever been distracted by a tough situation in your life that you didn't share the gospel? It can happen, right? It happens to me. That that when you're in the moment, when you're in that tough circumstance or that tough situation, I don't know about you, but I sometimes just focus on how do I get out of this situation? Very rarely do I think, how do I leverage the situation to get the gospel to other people? God did this in me one time. I've already told you my mother battled this disease called multiple sclerosis. It was debilitating and she was several years into that and a family member came to me and told me not only that she had multiple sclerosis and she was already living in a nursing home, but then she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And for me, it was like the feather that broke the camel's back or the straw. I mean, it was just too much. I just broke down. I was broken in that moment. But what's interesting is in that moment, in that season where I was in this severe pain and this broken moment of considering my mom's soon death It was in that moment that God showed me somebody that was also broken that needed to hear the gospel. Now, what did I wanna do in my flesh? I wanted to say, are you kidding me? I'm trying to focus on the pain right now. I'm just trying to process this. But it was in that moment that God asked me to leverage that situation to speak out of my brokenness, listen to me, into the brokenness of somebody else. And I was just honest with the Lord. I said, Lord, I can't on my own strength. I need your strength to do it. In that moment, he gave it to me And so in that season, the gospel was allowed to progress even through my pain. It blew my mind. It's still a challenge to do so today. Why do I share that story? It's not about yay me, it's about yay God making me aware of that situation. And I promise you, in that moment, as sad as I was and as broken as I felt, if I could do it in that moment through the strength of Christ, so can you. And it just reminds me there's never a moment in our life where we shouldn't be passionate about the gospel progressing to those who do not know and who do not believe. Just share when you're led. It's a pretty simple application. Can I say that again? Share the gospel when you're led to share the gospel. But some of you right now are sitting there thinking, I'm just not led. Maybe that means I don't need to share. Wrong. (laughs) Pastor, Pastor, maybe I'm just not meant to share the gospel because I don't have that fire that you're talking about. Wrong. Here's what I want you to do. If you're sitting here today and you lack the passion to share or you don't feel led or however you want to put it, if you don't have that fire, here's the only application I want you to take. Pray. And I want you to pray at a specific time. At 10.02... You can choose morning or evening or both. At 10.02, I want you to pray. Why 10.02, Todd? Well, because it reminds me of Luke 10.2. Let's look at that verse together. Jesus says in Luke 10.2 that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech, that just means to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And so if you're lacking being led, if you're lacking the fire, at two every day, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he wouldn't just, in, in general, send laborers into the harvest field, but you pray that prayer every day at 10.02 until the Lord sends you. That's my challenge. Because I don't read in scripture where there should be a season of your life, the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, where you should not be passionate about the gospel progressing to your neighbors and your friends. So if it's not there yet, the only solution is to pray, not to be disobedient, but to pray. Until God gives you that passion and he sends you to that neighbor that you try to block out of your mind. He sends you to that family member that you try to avoid conversations with. He sends you to that mission field that you say that you'll never go. It's not about them, it's about you the mark of a faithful follower is passion for gospel progression. But it's also, if you're gonna be passionate about gospel progression, you also have to be passionate about the power of the gospel. Confidence in the gospel's power. This is what Paul had. He says, I don't care how the gospel is spread. I'm just gonna celebrate that the gospel has the power, not the conduit. He says, some of these people that I know, they, they preach the gospel out of love for Jesus. He'll call that goodwill. Yet he says, others preach out of envy and strife and a desire to derail me or to cause trouble for me. Paul says in verse 18, who cares? The important thing is in every way, whether from false motives false motives or pure motives, that Christ is preached. And because of this, I will rejoice. Paul just wanted to see Jesus preach, church. Some people didn't like him. I'm sure some people were hateful to him because they were jealous of him. But their jealousy, and their hurt, and their pain did not deter his focus. I'm going to try to make this pretty simple because I think it could be complicated with what Paul's dealing with. We don't know the exact context, but I can't context. But I can ask you this: Have you ever been distracted by another person or a group of people? So much so that it kept you from sharing the gospel. Has your anger and your bitterness been so large against somebody else and their pettiness? Did you know Christians can be petty? I know, the best of us can. I've seen the the most humble and the best of followers of Christ do some of the craziest things out of a spirit of competition and jealousy. You've heard of it too. How do you think church splits happen? Christians can be messed up as well. Have you ever let that be a distraction to you? Either in your anger towards them, or how about this, not agreeing with the way that they're doing it. I know some ministries that exist in America today, that their whole focus is to find other preachers and other churches that are doing it wrong, make blogs and videos about how bad they're doing it to the point where they're not sharing the gospel themselves. I ask you, does that make any sense at all? I get it, we need to have theological conviction and we need to speak the truth and when it's not there, we need to say so. But sometimes God's gotta remind me, Todd, you gotta keep your eye on the prize. Todd, you gotta drive in your lane. You don't pastor that church. Those aren't your people. Can you warn? Yes. Can you help others stay focused? Yes. But your main task is to get yourself and these people that you lead to preach the gospel. Sometimes people can hurt you and other Christians can be so petty against you that it distracts you. I think the point is Paul was not distracted. He didn't spend a lot of time, what I would call, with sideways energy. I spent so much time chasing this problem or being mad at this person or look at this ministry over here. They're not doing baptism, right? And then I go back over here. What am I not doing? I'm not moving forward and I'm not preaching the gospel. Paul says, stay focused. Stay focused. I've been so frustrated hearing stories about how we tried to you know, plant little American Baptist churches with all our traditions and tap, trappings, and, and some of the craziest places all over the world. The, probably the craziest picture I saw was this, this house church. It was on a boat, but it looked like an American church. I mean, I'm talking white church, cross on the steeple, and the pastor's out there, 100 degree weather, maybe 110, 100% humidity, and there he was with his Bible all suited up. And I would think, how much sense does that make? Not very much. Did it last very long? No. We've learned that we got to stay focused on the gospel and let the heavy lifting be done by the gospel and the word of God so we can teach people to love God, love others, and make disciples. But at the same time, God convicted me on that and said, is the gospel being preached? Yes. Do you agree? No. But don't let it distract you. Here's the thing. You don't have to be petty. Can I give you that piece of information first of all? You don't have to be one of those Christians that's petty. And you don't have to be the one that does it wrong either. But you also don't have to be distracted when others don't do it right. Stay focused, church, because the gospel is what has the power, not the conduit. And Paul says, even in the craziest of situations, I still believe in the power of the gospel. And in that, I will rejoice. May we at Coggin Avenue Baptist Church Allow the gospel and the word of God to do the heavy lifting, but also let us not get so distracted by preference and tradition to the point where we don't celebrate and rejoice when the gospel is preached by others and other churches who don't do it exactly the way that we do. That would be my encouragement. Be marked by a passion for gospel progression, be marked by an understanding that the gospel has the power, and finally, Be marked because the gospel is yours by a spirit of hope and joy. Look at verses 18 and 19. Paul says, though I don't always agree with it, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. I will choose joy for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and provision through the spirit of Christ Jesus. If you're looking for a faithful follower out there, There's lots of things to look for. Today, I'm encouraging you to look for a passion for gospel progression. I'm encouraging you to look for confidence in the gospel's power. But another thing you can look for, I think comes down to attitude. Look at the attitude that Paul had. When he was in prison, he didn't let him get it down. When other people were against him, he didn't let it get him down. He just chose joy every day. That's just what he did. Those who hated him, could have distracted him and sent him into a depression so he didn't want to share. He chose joy instead. Those who loved him could have built him up so much that it made himself think that maybe he was above the gospel message that he preached. He didn't let it distract him. He chose joy instead. Every day you wake up, church, you have a choice and how you will think and how you respond and how you treat others. All those choices, they reveal and represent Christ to the world. You know this, but it's worthy of repeating. You are an ambassador. You are a representative of Christ. Your attitude matters. You'll either be a good or a bad representation. But the choice every day is yours. Let me encourage you. By the power of the Spirit and the example of Paul, choose joy. For this represents Christ well. He never lost hope, Paul did, neither did Christ. He always chose joy and he constantly shared the gospel and trusted in its power. So where, as we close this morning, is your focus? When you walked in here today, what was consuming your mind? Was it life circumstances? I don't know what they are. Then the most important question, what will be your focus when you open those doors at all the exits and you leave? Will it still be life circumstances? Or will it be gospel progression, gospel power, and hope and joy for the world to see? The choice is obvious. Let's pray and commit to it together. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your work in us today. By the power of your spirit, Lord, I pray that you would search this room and even that online audience and find the one that does not yet know you through a relationship with Christ because of his death and resurrection. And you'd bring conviction and conversion. And Lord, for those of us that will, in just a moment after the song, we're gonna stand up and we're gonna go to lunch. Life's waiting for us. I pray that you would change our focus this morning. Not to be on life circumstances, whether good or bad, but on you and the power of the gospel. That we would all focus together on seeing the gospel advance, not just to the ends of the earth, but there as well. But in our Jerusalem, right here in Brownwood, Texas, closer than that, in our home, in our state, in our nation, And then also, Lord, to the ends of the earth. For it's the what has the power, not us, not the conduit. And as we go and share it, oh, let there be joy in our hearts and hope for the world to see. In Jesus' name, the church family said, Thank you for listening to this episode of our Coggin Church Podcast. We exist to make disciples by leading people to connect with God, with others, through service to the world. For more information about Coggin, visit us at www.cogginchurch.org.